check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the Adi Zero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today. Hello and welcome, everybody, to another episode of All Steelers Talk. We're your host, Noah Strackbine, joined always by the lovely Donnie Droon. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube at All Steelers Talk. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter at All Steelers. And as always, follow your favorite podcast host at Noah Strack at Donnie Droon. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 1-0 coming off a 23-16, I called it, win over the Buffalo Bills at Orchard Park. A win many did not see coming. Donnie, you did not see coming. And I don't even blame you because everyone everyone out there seemed to say the Steelers are are destined for an 0-1 start. Bills Mafia was rocking. The Steelers didn't care. They had four rookies, starters on offense, one on defense, and then a punter. It was a crazy day. You know, before we get into the Raiders, the Ravens, what to expect this week, what are your first and initial thoughts on the game in Buffalo? Uh, to anybody who thought the Steelers would come out the gate guns ablaze, and I have very, very bad news for you. The Steelers have never done that. And, and, and probably ever since the organization was founded in 1933, I don't think I've ever seen them get out of the gate on a very, very hot start on the offensive side of the ball. Luckily, the Steelers did manage to pay a guy by the name of TJ Watt, who had a great, great impact on the game Sunday. And <laughs> I, I, I feel like <laughs> kind of sick there, Noah. You good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. And I feel like the Bills looked like what a lot of people, including myself, would have thought the Steelers would have looked like heading into the game. But you know what? Nonetheless, football is a 60 minute game. I feel like it was just a a tell of two different halves for the Steelers. You know, the first half offensively felt like they really couldn't get anything going. Felt like everybody was kind of sluggish. And second half came around, you know, coaches got to make their adjustments. And, you know, uh, big props to Matt Canada for actually making those in-game adjustments. That's something Steelers fans haven't seen in what feels like a, a decade, you know, going from Todd Haley to Randy Fickner as their offense coordinator. Um, but, you know, overall, can't be – too displeased at all. You went on the road to a team who everybody thinks can contend with Kansas City to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, and you pulled out a win. So there's a lot to be happy about if you're a Steelers fan right now. Yeah, I agree. I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers should not have won that game. They started off, they, again, should not have won that game, and somehow they persevered. And just like you know, I said last week, and, and I'll say it again, this will be the last time I brag about this, the Steelers are going to win this season because of their defense, and that's where I want to start. Because I personally think, and I wrote this on Monday morning, that the Steelers' defense might be the best in the NFL. And I did not see that coming into the game. When I saw this defense in training camp and when I saw this defense in the preseason, there were holes and there were major concerns, especially at cornerback and at nickelback, maybe at some inside linebacker depth. There were no concerns after this game. From start to finish, top to bottom, the entire Steelers' defense was absolutely perfect, and that includes guys like Trey Norwood. That includes guys like Arthur Millette, who played minimal roles. 
I, I think it was a, an unbeatable performance at, as we saw 1-0, and obviously. What do you think uh, of the Steelers' defense after one game? Yeah, I just want to point out, too, that this win didn't come against just any regular old run-of-the-bill NFL team. This came against the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen freshly paid as one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league. He's obviously a dynamic talent there in Buffalo. It's Stephon Diggs, one of the best receivers in the game. Uh, a pretty solid offensive line there in Buffalo. Then a handful of running backs who were okay. You know, None of them were superb or great. But, you know, there's an okay stable of running backs there in Buffalo. But for the Steelers to clamp – that offense like they did, especially getting put in a very, very bad position from the get-go. Isaiah McKenzie almost making a house call to start the 2021 season, and the Steelers' defense responding just a three-and-out to hold the Bills to a field goal. And I feel like kind of that set the pace, that set the tempo for the rest of the game. You know, that the, the Steelers' defense, like you said, is going to win the Steelers' ball games more often times than not throughout the season. So, and. It, I feel like we had a lot of questions answered. James Pierre looks great. Cam Sutton looks great. Even on the the, the touchdown um, thrown his way, I feel like that was pretty solid coverage still. You know, there's certain things where you're not going to be able to play perfect defense every second of the route. But I still feel like that was just a better throw by Josh Allen and, and a better catch. But nonetheless, I mean, just great defensive line play, great linebacker play, great secondary play. And, you know, just heading into week two, it, they already look like they're in midseason form. Yeah, yeah, and I want to point this out. Our boy over here, Steelers freak, only two blitzes, and that's very true. The Pittsburgh Steelers won this football game against an excellent quarterback with the ability to run at pretty much any time, and he showed that at times that Josh Allen is not afraid to take off, but they did it by rushing their front four, and that's very impressive. Time and time again, guys like T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith and Melvin Ingram we're in the backfield quick enough to disrupt Josh Allen's timing or to at least put pressure on him. And that was a sign that just said, hey, like we don't need to, to blitz, which is going to come up big against guys like Patrick Mahomes, who play somehow better when you have a blitz on him than when you don't have a blitz on him. If you were able to rush guys like Cam Hayward and TJ and Melvin and Alex into the backfield every single play, I mean, you allow guys like Joe Schobert, you allow guys like Devin Bush and whoever's playing that nickelback to actually play coverage, which the Steelers utilized last year. They utilized Mike Hilton perfectly last year in the blitz because he's the best blitzing cornerback in the NFL. But Cam Sutton, as great as that fourth down play was, and let me tell you, that was absolutely phenomenal. Probably the biggest play of the game, and no one seems to want to talk about it. Well, everybody wants to talk about it, but it's not being recognized as highly as it should because that is easily the play of the game. But Cam Sutton is a guy that, even despite that play, plays better in coverage, and we saw that. If you're able to shut down Stefan Diggs time and time again from the outside and from the inside, you know you, you want to be back there. You want to be in open space. So the Steelers are able to let those guys play their position, rush those front four. And, and honestly, I, I think just those front four alone might be the best pass rush in the NFL and you can include a fifth because Melvin Ingram, whether it was Melvin Ingram, Alex Highsmith, TJ Watt, whoever, Chris Wormley at times, they were unstoppable, like absolutely unstoppable on that offensive line. Yeah. That's another point I wanted to bring up too. This all came without the talents of Stefan to on the mm -hmm. defensive, you know, line of the ball. And obviously we know the impact that he can have. He's, he's a, a near elite talent at the defensive line or whatever. He's actually healthy and he's playing, he's generating those pressures that we're so accustomed to him doing whenever he's actually on the field. 
Uh, Melvin Ingram might be the shining of the year because, man, oh, he yeah. looks like he has not lost a step at all. And that is a very, very good sign for the Steelers. I mean, just at very worst case scenario, you have a really, really good third pass rushing option behind Alex Highsmith and behind TJ Watt. Coming into the season, we were talking about whether or not Melvin Ingram's role with the Steelers would be a starting role or whether or not he was actually brought in to replace Alex Highsmith. If he's doing that every week, he needs to be out there starting. Yeah, but he, he doesn't at the same time because Alex Highsmith played just as well as Melvin Ingram and TJ Watt played pr- pretty much perfect. So it, he doesn't need to be the starter. They just, I mean, you look at the stat line and what I think is awesome is that last year when Alex Highsmith was the backup, he, he wasn't really playing much. 15 to 20 snaps a game. The snap distribution between these two were split up nearly even. It was like Alex Highsmith with 46, Melvin Ingram with 60. And to me, that's exactly what the Steelers want. To keep everybody fresh, don't risk injury as much as the as much as last season. TJ Watt goes 110 miles an hour every single play. To be able to come up the, off the field as much as humanly possible until the postseason is totally fine by him. And honestly, I think it kept him fresher. He was able to go out there and produce two sacks in a game where he practiced for two days beforehand. So it clearly, you know, that rest, it did something. Even if even if it's not and we're just overblowing that whole thing, it's something worth talking about. And I think that all three of those guys out there, no matter who the starter is, which it should be Alex Highsmith, boost the confidence, let him be the starter. You know, he's the future. Obviously, Melvin Ingram isn't going to stick around in Pittsburgh after the season. After yesterday, he probably earned himself a 14, 15 million dollar a year contract somewhere, even at the age of 31. So I don't think they need to start, but I love that rotation. The other well, rotation I'm not, I'm, I want to I'm, I'm not saying he needs to start, sir. I'm not saying Highsmith shouldn't start. I'm mm-hmm. just saying if, if we're going to get that prime Melvin Ingram, then he, he needs to be out there. He oh, really does. I also, think three of them at the same time would be perfect. Before we move on, Bud, who? Bud, who let me tell you, I watched that Arizona Cardinals Tennessee Titans game. Bud Dupree, non existent in that game. I know it's the first week of the season. I know he's still getting kind of accustomed to his new kicks and, you know, kind of playing and finding his role in the Titans defense. But Dupree, nowhere to be found on that team. That's bad. But, but you know, to, to his point or to make an argument for him, I guess nobody on the Titans showed up at all. No. So no, no, no. it's not like it's like Bud Dupree was nowhere to be found. The Titans were so good without him. Like Bud Dupree was nowhere to be found, and neither were eleven other guys on defense or ten other guys on defense. But you know, all the best to Bud Dupree. Love the Bud Dupree. Very happy about who Alex Highsmith and Melvin Ingram are over Bud Dupree for sixteen million dollars. That's cool. That's cool. The other group of defenders I want to talk about, or we need to talk about, the cornerbacks because. Seventh round pick Trey Norwood was the reason I expected the Pittsburgh Steelers to absolutely suck in this game. This dude came in, they threw the ball to him the first two plays of the game, one against Stefan Diggs. Imagine your second play in the NFL, you're lining up across from Stefan Diggs as a seventh round draft pick, and you're going, Oh, well, I got to stop this guy. Well, he stopped him. Trey Norwood played phenomenal. I have no hiccups with Trey Norwood's play. Arthur Mulek came in there, played a little bit. Whatever, played good enough. Didn't notice he was playing bad. Cam Sutton goes on the in or on the outside, absolutely perfect. He goes on the inside, even better. James Pierre pops out to the outside, eh, has a misstep early, comes back, beautiful play. The whole defensive backfield for no matter 
what anybody said coming up to this game and how many concerns there were. They shut them all down. Yeah, at least for the first week of the season they did and heading into the Raiders game, they certainly did. And what I really liked out of that group on Sunday was the confidence, you know, playing that cornerback role, especially at the NFL level. You need to have that swagger too. You need to have that I'm better than you mentality no matter where you're playing, no matter how good you actually are. You kind of you need that. And that's what we saw from that group, right? I mean, just Cam Sutton after every pass breakup, you know, doing his thing, Joe Hayden, uh, you know, James Pierre, even even Trey Norwood, you know, the rookie getting his his first playing time in the National Football League, all of them just seemed really confident, not only in themselves, but like everybody else's abilities. And what that opens up for the rest of the team is that if you're confident in my ability to do something, one, you're going to play a little bit more loosely, and two, that's going to make you play a little bit better. Those guys, it, it looked like they trusted each other. For that entire line of playing together for the first time as a cohesive unit, there looked to be a lot of trust within those you know groups. And obviously, things aren't going to be – smooth sailing the rest of the way. You know, there's going to be times where they get burnt. There's going to be times where the offenses do put up a decent amount of points against that defense. But man, like week one of the season, just in terms of building blocks and where you want to see your defensive back group, you couldn't ask for a better start. Yeah, I totally agree. And to think about it, to think back, the last time the Steelers had a defense that just meshed this well together, Troy Polamalu was a safety. And Minka Fitzpatrick yesterday looked better than Minka Fitzpatrick has ever looked. And that's hard to do because Minka is – He's the best safety in the NFL. So to play even better and play good enough where TJ Watts talking about a play, the fourth down play and goes and brings up Minka Fitzpatrick, making a third down play that we didn't even notice. And here's another point played slot corner and that slot corner. Thank you. Steelers freak allowed us allowed the Steelers to move guys around. And this all comes back to Trey Norwood because Trey Norwood was able to play that free safety role, that deep safety role, while Minka Fitzpatrick's playing all over the field. Again, very Ryan Clark, Troy Troy Polamalu type vibes, type style going on there. I love that. you know. And, and don't forget Terrell Edmonds. He didn't play bad. He was there. He, he didn't do much, but he was there. And that whole defense plays fine. So I agree. The confidence is absolutely phenomenal. I want to say that week one's matchup is very is going to be more difficult than week two's, but the Raiders showed a lot in their Monday night win over the Baltimore Ravens, 33 to 27. For one, the Ravens did not look good from top to bottom. They just looked like a very subpar team playing a little better subpar team, but there were parts in the Raiders game that you have to worry about. I don't want to talk about those yet. I want to talk about my favorite player and our favorite player that we seem to bring up here all the time. <laughs> and people look at people got to understand that as a football player is not who you are as a person. Okay. Al Villanueva, incredible human being washed up as a football player. I'm going to throw it right out there. Done. And we saw that easy against Max Crosby. Can we agree on that? Pushed like a shopping cart, bro. Like just, a shopping cart. And I I sat there watching that and I couldn't I couldn't laugh. I couldn't make jokes. I'm, I'm just so used to it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I am immune to what I saw on Monday Night Football. That's just, who Al Villanueva is from here on out. The Ravens, I wrote about it a long time ago. People got real, real mad. I could still bring up the DMs. People still DM me about calling calling out Al Villanueva and the signing to the Ravens. But it was all true. We all knew it was going to be true. He's He doesn't have a left in the tank. Every Steelers fan, every Steelers media member, every Steelers analysis analyst for the last 
two, three years have noticed that Al Villanueva is done. Ravens, good luck with him. On the other end of that argument, the Pittsburgh Steelers have to now play the guy that was just eating him up left and right. Max Crosby, who finished the night with two sacks and, you know, whatever. The, that's that's against Al Villanueva. Al Villanueva is not good. You want to know who else is not good and who else is a very major concern? Chooks Okorafor, who's going to line up against Max Crosby this Sunday. How concerning is that? Uh, you know, it's all fun in games watching Big Al get pushed around until you realize that you don't exactly have an upgrade at the right tackle position with Okorafor uh, kind of sitting there. And granted, like – a core four didn't play absolutely like mind blowingly terrible like Alvin Oliva did last night. Can I ask this question real quick yes. before you keep going? Did he not play mind mind blowing terrible because the rest of the offensive line played very bad? And see that that also kind of entered my head because it's like okay, well. What, what's saving a core for here? Because obviously they felt the need to move him from left to right tackle after Banner got out, which is something they did do last year in 2020. And really quick, Dan Moore Jr., I, I think, played somewhat decent for his first start at left tackle. Yeah, um, and I, I think whenever Banner comes back, a core for is kind of out of a, a starting job at this point. But when the rest of your offensive line as a whole plays okay, and okay is kind of like as good as it gets in a football game – it's not good. Nope. It's not good. And that, that kind of bleeds into the whole Max Crosby argument. Max Crosby's a beast, man. And I, I know we're we're uh, ringing out Alvin away a whole lot on here. But, I mean, on the other end of that spectrum, Max Crosby did his thing time and time again against uh, Villanueva. I think Steeler fans kind of need to be prepared. Be prepared, excuse me. And I think uh, Matt Canada – Kind of needs to figure out a little something, something, maybe keep a tight end in there to help a core four out in those that's, certain situations, whatever you need to do. That's that's something that's definitely an idea. The problem is, is that, you know, Pat Fryermuth played pretty well, but he's mm-hmm. definitely a block or he's definitely a receiving tight end over anything. Eric Ebron, I wouldn't trust, trust to block a seventh grader. And Zach Entry, Zach Entry had one play in Buffalo and it was the weirdest tight end screen I've ever seen in my entire life. So I don't trust him on the field. Chooks is Chooks is a concern, a major concern. But I think anybody lining up against Max Crosby would have to be something that you have to worry about. Until Zach Banner comes back, which right now I don't know when that will be, and I don't think the Steelers really know when that will be. I think that you just have to work your offense around as quick of a pass as possible. And that's yeah. terrifying for Steelers fans. Terrifying. Don't go back to the RPOs. This isn't this isn't even like a like a, a core for issue. No, because if, if 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 Banner was in that spot right now, I feel like we'd be having the same conversation. If Dan Moore Jr. was in that spot, I feel like we'd be having the same conversation. Joe Haig, forget about it. Like right. it, it, it's it's not just an a core for thing; it's an entire Steelers offensive line thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And don't get me wrong, a core four is by far the most concerning part of that offensive line. I think we can both agree on that. But, yeah, the offensive line is – they're bad. And here's the good part. There's potential. There's a lot of potential. You have to look back, and Mike Tomlin brought this up in his press conference, that there was no pre-snap penalties on the offensive line. That's huge, especially when you're in the loudest stadium in football against 75 screaming Bills fans, and it's your first NFL game. It's the first game you've played in front of fans in two years, and you don't have a pre-snap penalty. That's 
huge for a center and a left tackle. And that'll get better. Trey Turner is still adjusting to a Steelers football game plan after bouncing around the last two years. You know, Kevin Dotson's still a second-year guy. I thought Kevin Dotson looked great, but Kevin Dotson's still a second-year guy. And at some point, you're going to switch your right tackle. So that's concerning, but that means that there's still an upgrade. So the offensive line could get better, and I think that they have all the intangibles to get better. The problem is, is that in week two, it could be a disaster for Big Ben, who already has to probably take Wednesday off of practice because he got beat up so bad in Buffalo. And you saw those arthritis knees. He was getting up a couple of times, and you were like, mmm, that looks like yep. it He had the face. He was like, Whew. and I, like you know it. You know when you get up off the couch that one time, and you're just like, wow, why did that hurt for no reason? Now imagine getting hit by a 30, 300-pound defender multiple times a game. It's concerning for Big Ben. Fortunately enough, it's Big Ben. Yeah, bro. I'm 26, and I still get really sore the day after workout. So I, I can't imagine being Ben's age and taking an absolute beating from NFL caliber defensive players just playing and play out. No, no, definitely not. And you know, when it's Max Crosby, who might be one of the best pass rushers in football and hits probably harder than most people, well, that's just a little added boost to those knees there. Good luck to Ben on Sunday. We wish you the best. Also, on the other side of the Raiders football, the Raiders football, that's a weird sentence, but we're going to stick with it. Darren Waller had a phenomenal game. Started off with a weird game. If I remember, it was like seven targets for three receptions or something, or 10 targets for three receptions. It was just it was just a weird start for Derek Carr in that offense. Ended with 10 catches, I believe 105 yards, and a touchdown. Mike Tomlin compared him to Chase Claypool. How concerning is Darren Waller for the Steelers? I mean, given what we've seen pass coverage-wise, out of Devin Bush, out of Joe Schobert, out of whether it's a guy like Terrell Edmonds, whether it's a guy like Trey Norwood, Darren Waller, I know a lot of people talk about Kelsey and Kittle, but Darren Waller's up there for one of the best tight ends in the league. I don't know if he's the premier tight end, but, I mean, it's just the dynamic – that he brings and it's just his size, his speed, his hands, everything, literally everything about Darren Waller just screams mismatch, excuse me, for almost anybody who lines up across from it. There's a reason why he's been dominating since, you know, he reemerged with the Raiders. It's concerning. It's concerning because we know Keith Butler loves to leave a select amount of players on an island with people they shouldn't necessarily be on an island with. And I, I know we'll just attribute it to having the game plan where, you know, it's just how, you know, those schematics line up with each other. We really didn't get a chance to see that in Buffalo because aside from Stefan Diggs, it's not exactly any groundbreaking playmakers like Darren Waller. And so it'll be really interesting to see what the Steelers do with a guy like Darren Waller and kind of how they want to navigate that tricky course. Because the, the Steelers, especially Mike Tomlin, have learned from Rob Gronkowski. Whenever Gronk was with the Patriots, it felt like every time the Steelers, the Patriots played, this man was one, not only scoring touchdowns, but two, completely left wide open on multiple occasions. I, I have nightmares of Sean Davis trying to grab a ball away from Rob Gronkowski. It's just not good. And Darren Waller is exactly that type of player, not exactly as dominant as Gronk was in his prime, but still, it's just a very, very fluid player. Uh, he's basically Chase Claypool playing tight end. If Chase Claypool knew how to go up and catch 50-50 balls. 
He caught a 50-50 ball. Hey, he did. He did. He did. He did. Chase Claypool had a very nice catch. He also had a very nice the, the Bills team. Chase Claypool yeah. was always trying to fight somebody. That's what we hey. know about Chase Claypool. First team all pro and trying to find penalty flags. Oh, oh gosh, yeah. First yeah. team all pro. He's the first one voted to the first team all pro. <laughs> Unanimous first team all pro to finding flags. Chase Claypool also loves to fight everybody. If you didn't catch that the first time. Waller, I agree 100%. Here's the question. If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, who do you put up uh, against them? Um, I mean, if if you're going to run a lot of man-to-man coverage, which um, outside of Darren Waller, I wouldn't be opposed to because there's not a whole lot of like home run hitters on that on that receiver depth chart. Did you forget <sighs> about Henry Ruggs? Like, Dude, don't get me oh. Henry Ruggs is not great. And don't please don't take that that way. I just mean that if you expect if you expect Joe Hayden to be able to outrun Henry Ruggs one on one. Uh, I, yeah, you do. Listen, listen, man. Uh, wait, do I expect Hayden to run one on one with him? What, Hell what no, I don't you? expect Joe Hayden to keep That's up with him in a foot race. It. But Bengal fans are saying the same thing about John Ross. Never John Ross was drafted. He had the True. fastest forty time in the NFL combine history, and look what he did. Nothing. And I'm not saying Henry Ruggs is like that. Excuse me, because there's still a lot of time left for Henry Ruggs to kind of prove what he could do. But in the Raiders' offense, where he's not exactly the focal point, yeah, he's a little bit forgotten about and. You know, sure, he's only getting a lot of cardio out there. He's running down the field and not having the ball thrown his way. I, I think the game plan for Waller, and I think Steelers Freak already kind of has it nailed right there. I think it's going to be Schobert to start out with, and I think they'll kind of go from there. If Schobert's able to prove that he can keep up with them, which is why the Steelers brought him in to keep up with guys who need covered in, in those certain packages. If he can keep up with them, I think that's the game plan. If not, I think he got to go with like a safety. Like Terrell Edmonds or like yeah. no, no, not if if I see Terrell Edmonds lined up across from Darren Waller more than three times, let's say I'm gonna write a strongly worded letter to my local congressman because that is not okay. That should never happen. Here's here's a question. Minka Fitzpatrick moved all over the field. We just got done talking about that. Mm-hmm. You see a guy that do you feel comfortable enough in Trey Norwood, even with a one game sample size, to say maybe Minka is the answer to Waller and let. Trey Norwood kind of play that deep safety pretty much the entire game. Yeah, but like just experience aside to Minka too much. No, experience aside, you I would still rather have a guy like Norwood on Waller, and, and I know he's only played one game, but I just feel like it's a much better matchup, like size wise. And like, don't get me wrong, Minka's not a small dude at all, but one, I feel like Norwood matches up better with Waller, it's just whenever it comes to height and weight and frame. And two, like you just pointed out, you know, Minka, he's best roaming that defensive secondary, playing that, you know, center fielder role that he likes to play. And, you know, I, I feel like while putting Minka on a guy like Aaron Waller helps the game plan out greatly, you're still going to need a guy like Minka back there because what if Henry Ruggs does get by Joe Hayden or James Pierre? You know, what if Eddie, what, what if Hunter Renfro burns Cam Sutton, you know, in the side and then it's just Minka and Hunter Renfro? between, you know, those two and a, and a touchdown for the Raiders. You know, you, you really need to take all of that into consideration. But at the end of the day, man, I'm not getting paid to make those kind of calls. I mean, I sit on here with a podcast with you. We have no ramifications to anything that we say or do. So, Yeah. Four weeks ago, we were talking Trey Norwood is afraid to tackle. Today, mm-hmm. we're talking about him covering a tight end an entire game. 
to feel good about who the Steelers have back there. And we feel good about this episode of All Steelers Talk. Thank you, everybody, for jumping on to another phenomenal episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube at All Steelers Talk. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter at All Steelers. And as always, follow your favorite podcast host at Noah Strack at Donnie Droon, and we will see you later this week. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by root metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks.